Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today we have special guest, Cedric A. Keeler. He's an educator, community, and marketing strategist who partners with CEOs, executives, and entrepreneurs to grow their personal and professional brands, human to human. After spending over a decade working in education and public speaking for a reputable brand, for, for actually reputable brands and startups. Cedric is the author of You Are Powerful and the host of the show Conscious Mindsets on KPFT 90.1 FM Houston and his own internet domain. Cedric Keeler, also known as Ced, welcome to Politics Done Right, my friend. Thank you. This is uh, the uh, epitome of excellence and uh, political discussion and debate. And it's an honor, a privilege, pleasure to be on the platform again. I hope all is well with you and your family in these very challenging and difficult times. All is well, and I, I trust the same is well with you as well, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, we have a great conversation to get involved in, as you know, uh, and you talked about it at nauseum uh, so eloquently and articulately, uh, the changes and transformations that have happened in our society courtesy of this uh, worldwide pandemic. And as we see the Delta variant and other uh, variants I've seen uh, just come out recently, ravage our society, cases in the hundreds of thousands, things we haven't seen since early February uh, at the beginning of the Biden administration. Uh, And then we've seen these things transpire all the while while we're getting ready and prepared to send our most precious resources, our children, uh, our K through 12, all the way to uh, our collegiate and university students. Uh, We'll be uh, going through the hallowed halls of education uh, with uh, uncertainty, maybe never before seen in the history of this country, at least going back to World War II. Uh, And we we as educators, those of us who are on the front line uh, working with students are excited and and definitely encouraged, uh, but there is some anxiety and some fear and some uncertainty. So I'm happy to talk about those things with you today. Well, look, I I appreciate that. Let's, Let's get started with that straight up. Right now, there are a lot of parents that are hesitant about sending their kids to school. We know that with the, uh, with the package, the rescue package that was sent from the federal government, that a lot of monies should have gotten to the schools so that they could effect changes, changes in ventilation, changes in vaccination, changing in all these particular issues to really ensure that our kids, when they get back to school, they're in a is, in, they are in a safe, as safe a condition as they possibly could. As an educator, as a professor out there, are you seeing these dollars get into the places necessary so that parents will feel safe that their kids are in a good space? Well, at the beginning of, and that's a great question. I'll start off by saying that because I think it uh, talks about something that is extremely important, uh, especially for progressives to understand is this that Uh, While uh, in March 2020, the CARES Act was implemented and some $30 billion in total uh, was given to uh, the educational systems here in this country, K through 12 receiving about $13.2 billion of that. And then, of course, higher education going somewhere in the area of $14 billion. And governors themselves of the states had at their discretionary disposal somewhere in the area of around $3 billion dollars. Uh, The thing is, is that these states, they had full autonomy in many instances and degrees to be able to control how those resources were distributed and how they were dispersed 
uh, to local municipalities and school districts. And as you know, school districts uh, have a great impact upon not only uh, the educational dynamic uh, that exists in our society, uh, but also our property tax and the overall wealth and well-being in our society. Uh, because as you know, our system is set up based on property taxes. Right. Uh, so those local environments that are thriving and that uh, have uh, some uh, level of liquidity are able to have increased and advanced abundance of opportunities and resources at their schools, which consequently uh, increases the property uh, that's in those environments. So I say all of those things just to say that there's a corollary connection and it's uh, connected in a way in which we have to begin to analyze and understand. But to directly answer your question, we've seen as in the state of Texas, we've seen that those funds have been haggled and have been lagging. So as uh, the Secretary of Education just said in a briefing uh, just yesterday, we've given out the resources. We know that the CDC and other institutions have put forth uh, the proper PPE and the proper social distancing and the proper uh, understandings that we need to use and utilize on our particulars and in the uh, classrooms. But what has happened courtesy, especially in uh, Republican states, is that, that these state governments and these governors are not only holding their discretionary funds, but they're also holding the funds uh, that were specifically designed to be held, to be autonomously dealt with by the school districts. And that, that has had an amazingly adverse effect upon uh, these institutions. Now, just in the state of Texas, to give you an example where we are, uh, we know that uh, the tier three funding or the ESSERTS funding for tier three was recently released. And that has helped uh, schools be able to not only uh, increase the salaries of teachers, uh, but specifically putting in that PPE uh, that is essential to keeping our kids safe. Now, the issue with that is, is, is that uh, some of the other tiers of fundings have still yet to be given. And we're talking about $18 billion, Brother Willie. And I think that that is not only something that we as a constituents and citizenry should be alarmed and appalled by, uh, but specifically as educators, we need to uh, organize and bring more and greater attention to this because I'll close with this and I think it's important. I just brought up the CARES Act, which was done in 2020, and some of those funds have yet to be fully uh, divested and dispersed uh, to uh, the particulars that are involved. But there was $82 billion, and then other billions that have been given since the Biden administration took over. And in states like Texas, states like Mississippi, uh, southern states in particular, Republican southern states, I might add, they're having an enormously difficult time in distributing and uh, disseminating those funds. Now, to be fair, some Democratic states have had some issues, California being one in particular, uh, but what we're seeing is there's not aspersions and there's not a sense of, uh, of, of ostracization and uh, isolation amongst those Democratic states to be able to divvy out those funds where we're seeing that in the Republican states, and many are believing that that is uh, politically driven. Now, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, because as an educator, and now that school is starting, we have to be sure 
that uh, not only are these monies dispersed, but that, yes, not only our kids are safe or teachers are safe, and that the kids themselves don't re- return back to society to start that ball rolling again of reinfections and that sort of stuff. Because, again, the truth of the matter is if you're teaching at a school with 3,000 students and these 3,000 students don't have masks as, as as Texas is not uh, saying they need right now, we are talking about creating a morass of uh, of, of virus, a circular link of viruses uh, going around there. Now, what I understand that the, I think you're with HISD, if I, if I, yes. I, and if I recall, the, the superintendent of HISD intends to defy the governor and force masking in your schools. Am I correct? Yes, um, that has been uh, the directive that uh, he has uh, as, as expressed and said in pre- uh, press conferences as well, uh, that based on the data, based on what uh, health and uh, safety uh, professionals and experts and officials have said, that it would be in the best interest of not only HISD, which is the largest school district in Texas uh, and the seventh largest, if I'm not mistaken, in the country, uh, due to the large uh, and dense population that we serve, and many of them being some of uh, the most adverse condition and economically disadvantaged, which by and large have so many formidables and pre-existing conditions, which make them more susceptible, not only to COVID-19, but also uh, to fatalities uh, with COVID-19 in the best interest of the constituents and the citizenry, as well as the students in particular, uh, courtesy of the Delta variant, we know uh, that now it's not only in younger people, but younger people are seeing more adverse conditions and uh, even death. Uh, so we need to protect our young people. Uh, so uh, Miller uh, House is uh, the uh, superintendent of HISD. He has decided uh, to uh, forego uh, some of uh, the mandates and some of the, the, the ill-advised um, expressions that our governor has made. Uh, many people are saying that it will be in litigation. Many people are saying that even potential funding that we've just talked about uh, could be withheld uh, from the school district uh, by the state governor. That could be one of uh, the possible consequences of he and others deciding to keep the, man ma- the, the mask mandate in play and in place. And I think it's important that I say this, uh, we know that in HISD, 42% of the students uh, throughout the duration of the year, talking about 2021, uh, were remote learning. And 93% of the country uh, went through remote learning. And one of those reasons as to why that occurred was to stop spread. But HISD, like numerous other uh, school districts in and around this country, and specifically Texas, because Greg Abbott has said that funding would not only be restricted, it could be totally withheld if you did not go in turn or to have some in-person functionality upon your campus. Uh, So based on that, we know and understand that 100% of students could potentially be in these buildings. And you mentioned a high school having 3,000 students. Just imagine, just imagine with Texas being number 36 in uh, terms of vaccinations, ranking uh, some, and some have said that uh, only 44% of Texans have had at least one dose of vaccination. Uh, And I apologize because of the emotion, but how serious this is, I think it recalls, and it needs uh, for us to remember what we experienced 
in 2020 when we saw so many uh, cases and we saw so much death. And just imagine having all of those students in that environment, many not being vaccinated, as I said, and many uh, being exposed to, unfortunately, the Delta variant. So I don't want to uh, put forth a dystopic view uh, but what the uh, superintendent and I believe many other superintendents should and will do is to lean on the side of caution and listen to our healthcare officials and professionals who are saying that we do need to not only have masks in place, uh, but we also need to uh, look at remote learning and other things uh, to protect uh, our most precious resource and that's our children. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting in the military, every general or every, every soldier they are supposed to follow the, the follow the instruction of their, their leader. The, they are subordinate to their leaders. However, there's an exception. If that order that's given is unlawful. I think when it comes to a governor's relationship with, uh, with a superintendent or whatever, he is ultimately responsible for the life of the students. And if the government gives an edict that ultimately will get some of the people who depend on him killed, I would consider that an unlawful order. And I hope that is sort of the rationale that they'll use in in court to defend it. I will not be a part of killing those that I'm responsible for. Your thoughts on that? I think that uh, this is one of the most important questions of not only our generation, uh, but uh, could potentially have greater effects upon uh, the continuation of our nation. And I don't want to be hyperbolic, but what we are facing right now is of epic proportions. Uh, we know that the Delta variant is more aggressive. It's more contagious. And we have seen a lag in vaccinations, even though over the course of uh, this particular week, we saw some days having uh, over 800,000. And even in Texas, we saw an uptick of vaccinations, but that's still not going to stop uh, the promulgation of this virus. Uh, mitigation things are going to have to be put in plan in place. And I just want to let your listeners and audience know this is, is that the TEA has said uh, that if cases incur in school districts, then schools do not have to notify parents that there has been an outbreak, that there has been a spread. Uh, so TEA is taking measures uh, that many are scratching their heads, not only in the health and safety profession and industry, but also very educators and just simpletons are saying, what in the world is going on? Uh, this doesn't make sense. Uh, this uh, spits in the uh, face of caution uh, because of how dangerous and derelict uh, some of the edicts are coming from TEA. And many believe that this is uh, through the coordination of Gover Governor uh, Greg Abbott. And there are other states uh, that are putting forth this same kind of ill-advised policy of not identifying through contact tracing uh, where the virus has been, who has been contacted uh, with the virus, and potentially notifying others of these occurrences and making that mandated, stipulated, and accounted for through data and data that is concise and precise. But no, we're just going to allow you know, this whole moniker, a euphemism uh, for uh, irresponsibility by saying personal freedoms. No, we should all have uh, the information, which hopefully will make us more free and more capable to make a choice that will be in the best will and goodwill of all. 
So what we're saying in simple terms, and I've talked to numerous instructors, I've even talked to uh, uh, some of the federations off record, and they're saying uh, that they're extremely worried and concerned about all of these things that are occurring because unfortunately, and this is the reason why your platform is so important and other independent media platforms are so important, is because there's not been enough discussion about these policies. And these policies have real life implications. Uh, I know you brother have a daughter who has been in collegiate environments. And just imagine if someone came in there and had the virus, God forbid, there was a spread, people got sick, they got exposed to it, and TEA, just imagine the sanctioning body of the university said, no, you don't have to tell anyone this happened. If that student does wanna stay out of school 10 days, they can use those 10 days to remote learn. We need real clear cut guidelines and we need a chain of command and also a response from the citizenry that lets our elected officials know that we are not going to be guinea pigs, nor are we going to be let out to slaughter uh, based on someone trying to fit into the narrative of a former and disgraced president. Uh, and we need to stand up as a citizenry, as instructors, and as just human beings to protect other human beings' lives, uh, because this is very serious. And however people feel about vaccination, non-vaccination, what we must begin to do is to protect ourselves and to best do that. And the data supports this, uh, brother Willie's, uh, that uh, contact tracing works, that mask wearing works, and that when we work together to provide not only the PPE, not only the funding, uh, but we also incorporate numerous technologies like remote learning and also other interventions that must be done because of the uh, gaps that students have incurred. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to talk about some of that as well, because it's critically important that we don't just allow bad policy to get away with creating bad predicaments that ultimately in the future, we are all going to have to face the negative consequences due to our inactivity, due to our uh, inability to participate and engage an important dialogue and hopefully in creating important policy that must be made. So I'll say this and uh, definitely close up for you to interject. Uh, it's extremely important for those out there to understand uh, that there is funding and that funding is there to ensure that not only is the PPE there, but that it is being used and utilized effectively along with the increased educational opportunities that must be provided based on the gaps and based on enduring 17 months of a pandemic, we must begin uh, to not only ensure that those funds and those resources are given to the proper and appropriate entities, but we also must make sure uh, that there are measures in play and in place to address the gross inequalities in other areas. Why do I say that? Because the state of Texas seeing this coronavirus splurge and expansion is in direct correlation to their unwillingness to expand Medicaid Medicare. And I think it's extremely important that we connect the dots and say that so people understand that this is not just a happenstance, but this is a dereliction of duties. And it's an inability to protect our citizens. 
It is important that you brought that up. It's very important because you brought up two new issues here that I think is very important. One is that, yes, the, 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 with the governor's dereliction of duty by not looking out for the welfare of the students, etc., that is, that, that is extremely, that's horrendous. But that dereliction of duty is going to further hurt the people that those who would get infected in school take home. And then at the same time, we refuse to accept the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act that would actually help those who are infected or got infected due to the dereliction of the person who is also denying them health care. It's amazing. It's almost like the person is putting a death wish on a particular segment of society. Wow. And you say that, and, and I think that the data uh, not only speaks to that, because even during the pandemic, just when we look at something as simple as what you and I and pretty much most of the, the listeners who are viewing this using uh, broadband, uh, we found that in black and brown communities, specifically one in seven in some areas in this particular state, and, and, I, and I'm talking about this state because it could be a uh, representative of other Republicans right. primarily that lack the ability to spread funds that they were given by the federal government. These funds were put in place for infrastructure, and we're having an infrastructure debate right now in our hallowed halls of Congress, and many of our Republican compatriots are not understanding the responsibility that they have to ensure that that broadband exists, because one in seven, and in some areas, three in five black and brown people said they did not have broadband. They did not have access to internet. They did not have the ability to give their children equipment that was vital to use and utilize the technology of the 21st century learner. And because of that, we have seen, and this is based on statistical data provided by TEA. They've said this year in particular, 22% of Texan students, of students in Texas, are at least two grades behind. Normally, historically, that's only been about 4% every year. So just in that one statistic alone, we've seen an exacerbation of the gap. We've seen academic inefficiency, and it's predicated and primarily based on the deficiency of leadership. That's why this midterm election, that's why, regardless of how people feel about it, we must understand why quorum had to be broken. Because these restrictive laws not only, not only limit people's ability to express their rights, but it also tailors and it also curates a sense of disenfranchisement, which indelibly and unfortunately bleeds into the policy. And these policies create these predicaments, which unfortunately adversely affect those most vulnerable communities. So that's why I'm so happy to be having this conversation about this information, because just last March, $168 billion was provided by the American Rescue Plan. That's enough money to handle the situations in which we're talking and facing and faced with if we have the kinds of uh, uh, leadership, I'll just say it that way, 
that would put aside the colors of faces and the critical theories of race and start doing what's important uh, for the constituents uh, in this wonderful land and place we call America. You know, uh, Cedric, one of the things, the other, the other things that I have to say is that I think, first of all, none of this is by design. Or rather, I'm sorry, all of this is by design. That's their intent, okay? And I think uh, what, I mean, you get an educated populace, an educated populace is dangerous for republicanism because republicanism is not for the populace in general. So the, the best that you could, the, what you have to offer is make sure they remain uneducated. Now, that said, uh, one of the important things that we have to do, and you, you brought up the election of 2022, is we have to articulate this not only on, on, on the mainstream media, on programs like mine, on independent media, but we have to be out there with programs like you have, with the conscious mindset and, and the other uh, places that you hang out, and always keep this at the forefront. Now, we're at the end of our time, so what I want to ask you is what I always ask you, give me uh, a, a commentary for our audience that we should have talked about, but that we didn't necessarily get to. Absolutely. And, and thank you, uh, brother. You are a phenomenal phenomenality of magnificent, magnificent. And I think that this is the commentary that we need to talk about is supporting independent media entities. Because unfortunately, the mainstream entities are talking about he says, she said, who's fighting with this, doing this kind of novelty carnival-like reporting when we need to be discussing the things that are most apropos and important. For example, the uh, pharmaceutical industries were given billions, if not trillions of dollars of taxpayer money to create an entity that would hopefully begin to rectify a situation that has exacerbated through a worldwide pandemic and epidemic. And they used these resources. They were given tax abatements and anything you can imagine to support their efforts. And now they won't relinquish the patents so that other countries can begin to have vaccines. Hovax said that they were going to reach 190 countries. They've only done 138. And I'm not disparaging 138, but I'm saying that they need to be doing more. And we need to be doing more to help them. Only 15% of the undeveloped world is vaccinated. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because these variants will continue to proliferate in and around the world, affecting the United States. We can no longer have the tribalism and the nativism of the Trump administration. And we have to begin to look at this with a global lens. As we understand, we are global individuals. That's what we tell our kids to be global learners. And we must become aware and capable of the importance of how we need to get an understanding of things. And that comes courtesy of information. And there's a reason why I bring it up specifically is because these patents, they are now beginning to use and utilize for profit. They are selling to developed countries the dosage for $25 to $42. And, and this is taxpayer-driven money. And I think it's important to bring this up is because our politicians need to begin to put forth the legislation and the policy that can begin to make this something of a public trust 
rather than a private exploitation, which continues on uh, the oligarchic structures of mayhem and madness. Now, I'll close with this because I think it's important. And I think you've talked about it at Nokia. We must talk about how the banks, the banks have used and utilized people and exploited people in a way in which never imagined. And that is insane to say when you think about how much dereliction and foolishness banks have done. The reason why I bring this up is it's somewhere in the area of $12.4 billion to $32 billion on overdraft, overdraft and overcharges during a pandemic, my brother. During a pandemic, and it primarily affected black and brown vulnerable communities. And Elizabeth Warren may be uh, someone that you have an affinity for. If you probably don't even know, I know you probably know her. But the thing is, she asked a question. She said, you were given by federal regulators the opportunity and the ability to not be charged overdrafts for your loans, talking about the banks particularly. And they were given other incentives to create business and to seek out and obtain a profit. Did you give them, talking about your clients, did you give them the consideration that the federal regulators told you to give, which is to not charge them? Jamie Dixon, uh, CEO of Chase, said, no, we did not. We will not. And that is something that we need to begin to focus on so that we can understand how to address these issues, take those funds, and then uh, divert them into education into uh, mandating that we get the kinds of PACs, the kinds of lobbyists that will begin to put forth pressure on politicians not to put in uh, bills that are going to restrict educational funds. I'll say this because I think it's important. There is a House bill, House Bill 15 uh, in the state of Texas that is going to force some of these local municipalities and school districts to not use all the funds uh, for three to four years. They're going to be stipulated. So when people go to the ballot box in midterms or they go in 2024, they're going to say, the Biden administration didn't do anything. Those so-called progressive Democrats didn't do anything when it was the ploys and the machinations of Republican strategists and politicians and derelicts that totally uh, created a false narrative which will lead to them coming back in power and totally putting in the oligarchic structures that we are disdaining from. And that's why we are here, and that's why we tell the story. And that, that last comment there is important for people to know. Our own government is trying to hold back monies to give the impl- implication that uh, the progressivism is not working. Cedric A. Keeler, author of You Are Powerful and the host of the show Conscious Mindset. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. My pleasure. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.